0: I am Sarah Jane Case, and this is Enneagram and Coffee. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. Happy Wednesday. I hope your week is treating you well. I am well again. I was sick for about a week and a half, but all is well. I did my first like movement practice this morning after being sick and you know, it's like right after sickness dissipates, you remember how good it feels to be alive. <laughs> and The health that you like tend to take for granted is just like thrilling. And that's how I feel today. I feel just so grateful to be able to move my body, to be able to speak clearly and breathe fully. It's so thrilling. Today is our Wednesday Q&A. So I am answering questions texted in to the podcast phone line. Now, as a reminder, if you have questions about the Enneagram, self-care, personal growth, creativity, work, business, all these good things, you can text or call those in to 828-338-9127. I answer at least one every single Wednesday, meaning we have a lot of room for questions. So please don't hesitate if you have one to send one in, it will definitely be answered. Now, I am answering two questions today. One of those being really simple and easy to answer, and the other is going to take a little bit more explanation. So, our first question is Hi, SJ. I am loving the Soul Child series. Can you say which of Sandra Maitre's books that you are reading from? Thank you. Yes. Sorry, I haven't said that yet. So the book that I'm reading from is Spiritual Dimensions of the Enneagram by Sandra Mitri. And you spell her name, her last name, M-A-I-T-R-I. And it it's a great look at the Enneagram. It's very insightful. Big fan. Okay. Next book or next question. Hi, listening to sexuality and the Enneagram. How do I know my sexual type? I'm a seven. Thank you. Okay, so what I think you mean when you say how do I know my sexual type is subtype. So, let's do a brief little subtype lesson here and how you can identify yours. So, every single one of us has all three subtypes. These are social, self-preservation, and sexual or another like a more PC way of saying that if you're like speaking in a corporate environment is one to one. With that being said, you have all three, we all have all three, but each one of us has one that's dominant one that is secondary, and one that is repressed. These are really the way that we have learned to survive in the world. So our sexual types have learned to survive through intense one-to-one connection. Our self president types have learned to do this through their own physical safety, having everything they need. And our social subtypes have done this through where they fit in the social hierarchy. So making sure they have a place in the network to take care of them. Now, that being said, every single Enneagram school has kind of a different way of talking about this, and so that's why it can be a little bit tricky. Some schools are going to say that sexual types are hot, you know, they run hot, they tend to be really passionate, intense, and, and deep. Some will say self pressed types tend to be warm and inviting and cozy and comforting and like creature comforts. Some will say social subtypes tend to run cool, they tend to be a little bit more aware of how they're being perceived. I tend to agree with that, right, that we have that kind of pattern. However, other schools, the work of Claudio Naranjo with the subtypes, Beatrice Chestnut's work, they're talking about it from the lens that each of these subtypes, whatever your dominant subtype is, it mixes with your dominant Enneagram type to kind of create a new unique type. So Beatrice Chestnut's first book is called The Complete Enneagram, which is looking at 27 unique types based off of how your subtype interacts with your dominant type. Personally, I'm a really big fan of this method. I I partially because I found my type kind of through this. I did an interview on her podcast recently, so if you want to hear that story, you can hear it there. Enneagram 2.0. All of that to say, you know, it it creates a really unique understanding of your type. And with that, I was able to find my type because I was what we call a counter type. For every Enneagram type, we have one of those subtypes that looks different in behavior than it does in motivation. And that's where I landed. So counter types have a pretty hard time finding their Enneagram type because their behavior and their motivation don't necessarily directly line up. And so they may see themselves or others may see them as a type other than what they're actually driven by. I'm giving you way more information than you need to enjoy this episode and to think about it from the sexuality perspective. So I'm going to rewind a little bit. I have a lot of episodes on subtypes, so definitely go check those out. I also am always open to talking about them. So if we want to do another series on those, y'all just let me know on Instagram or via the podcast phone line. I'm happy to do that as well. All of that being said, to listen to the sexuality episode and to really understand where you fit, all you have to know is what your dominant type is. And what that looks like. And I think doing that through the lens of the more generalized version of the subtypes is kind of how this is going to fit the work that these two incredible people are doing. So let's talk about social subtypes. So social types, again, they tend to be more oriented towards social norms. So they're focused on how am I being perceived by society? Am I fitting in? with what society requires of me these are the types who are going to be conscious of like am I speaking too loud in a quiet room am I being perceived the way I intend to be perceived not necessarily the same as like the two three four image triad but just kind of like a flavoring of that over their dominant type right a social seven is going to look very different than a social three in how much they care about their being perceived right a social seven is like coming from the seven place and they're adding a layer of that concern threes have kind of that perception thing on double so keep that in mind all of that being said social subtypes are concerned with where they fit in the social hierarchy so a social seven is you know their needs focused they're like i want what i want i need what i need however they're still focused on well that's not very likable right? So if I just talk all the time, I say everything I want to say when I want to say it, people aren't going to like that very much. If I constantly put myself first, if I constantly just get my needs met and I'm focused on everything I want, that's not very, that's not going to make me fit in with the social norm. So instead, I'm going to resist that temptation. That pressure is still very much there, but I'm going to kind of tone that down and focus instead on resisting those natural impulses so that i am perceived as someone who is likable and can use their network to survive. Then we have our self-preservation types, our self-preservations. I'm kind of I'm kind of mixing these subtype theories up, right? Like the way i'm describing social 7 is very much through the lens of the complete enneagram, so just i just want to Keep that in mind because it's all mixed together in my brain. I'm I'm sussing it out a little bit, but at the same time, they do play together pretty well, in my opinion, these these different theories. So that's the social seven. Then we have the self-preservation types. Self-preservation types, they're needs-focused. They're safety-focused. They're like, I want to take care of myself. I want to create a strong family network. I'm conscious of if I'm physically safe, if I have everything I need, if I'm going to be taken care of. Sevens, we're need-focused anyway, right? So when I go through and I read all the types, I'm like, well, I relate to the self press type of all the other types because I'm focused. I'm needs-focused, right, as a as a general baseline. self so pressed sevens, it's like we're amping that up. self pressed sevens tend to have a strong network. They tend to be focused on, okay, I have someone for everything I need. They're very kind of self-promoting, they're very networky, they're going to like make sure they get what they want out of life. This type can look a little bit like a three or kind of relate a lot to a three, but at the end of the day, they're driven by not being trapped in emotional pain, not being limited, being satisfied with their life. All of that to say, self president types are focused on comforts, creature comforts, being safe, being physically safe. That's like their primary thing. Now, a lot of us, we have a first and a secondary. Those two can be really connected. So I would say for me, my social and my self-prez are almost even at this point in my life. And the conversation that we had with the sexuality and the Enneagram girls helped me a lot to understand that because they talked about how when you marry someone and you and there's a subtype that is shared, you tend to kind of meet in that place and my husband and I both share self pres. So I'm social dominant. He's sexual dominant. I'm sexual repressed. He's social repressed. And so we meet in the self-prez place in our relationship. So I have become significantly more self pres since we started dating. So it's fluid, right? Like I'm trying to, that's what I'm kind of trying to express here. Finally, we have our sexual type. This type is the most intense. They're the most direct. They tend to be very passionate and fiery. They make a lot of direct eye contact. They're they are seeking like intense connection. Um, I think the ladies in the, You know, in the interview they were saying, you know, sexual subtypes are like, I just want to like peel my skin off and meet you there. Like, just like as much intimacy as as possible. As a social subtype, that can be a little like, whoa, 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 buddy. Like, (laughs) that's a lot. But for sexual subtypes, that's a normal like desire of intimacy. This They tend to be much more open, passionate, connective intense in terms of their you know in terms of every area of their life all of that to say the sexual seven this type is what we call kind of the rose-colored glasses type the like everything is going to be great everything's great this is the type that's like the most amped up in their positive thinking and their positive reframing i talk to sevens like this a lot where i say things like i you know i get really frustrated when the the things don't work out for me the way that I intend for them to if I have like a big exciting plan and it doesn't pay out for me that's really disappointing for me I think oftentimes when I say that to a sexual seven they can't relate they're like what you just make the best of every situation you just roll with the you know you like that's unrelatable like I'm always happy (laughs) like this sense of like everything's gonna be okay everything's gonna work out just keep it on the high you know that more stereotypical version of what we hear about seven they tend to land there like everything's great all is well I don't have any problems no problems are real don't bring negative emotions near me <laughs> and so it's a little bit more obvious and I think that tends to be the case for a lot of the types right like the sexual aid is the most intense eight they're the ones that are like not afraid to be seen as like the bad guy, but a social eight, right? A social eight is very socially concerned, very minded around like, is everybody being taken care of? They can kind of look like a two, even though they're like coming from that eight place because they want their, one of their major survival instincts is to be liked, to belong, to have a strong social network that helps them when they need help. And so if, if you, and to have kind of like a place in society. And so if an eight were to just kind of be like, I'm bad, (laughs) you know, coming from a sexual place, you know, that's something they're very comfortable with, but the, the eight on a social plane, that's going to be really scary. That's going to feel like threatening. So they're going to want to tone that down. They're not going to want to be perceived that way. I'm not saying that eights are bad. Just to clarify, I'm saying that sexual eights find that tantalizing as a concept. So that's how we know our subtype. It's kind of this like intuitive understanding of am I more oriented toward where I land in the social hierarchy, toward my own like physical safety, or toward, you know, that intense one-to-one connection. If you're looking for a resource here, of course, I love the Complete Enneagram, I think it's a really added level of depth to understanding your Enneagram type. It has aided me immensely, so I would love that for you as well. So yeah, that is it, friends. (laughs) Once you know your subtype, if you go back and listen to that sexuality and Enneagram episode, it's going to be mind-blowing. I just found it so fascinating how well they were able to describe the things that I experienced or the way that I think about things or the way that I orient or the you know my partner in my dynamic, it's really cool, so definitely go find your subtype, go check that one out. Don't miss the episode if you haven't heard it already. Thank you so much for sending your questions in everybody as a reminder. you can always text or call them in 828-338-9127. As always, it is an absolute joy to create this content for you. I'll see you tomorrow for the next one. Bye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s.